Hey everyone, this is Jake Milwee. I want to welcome you to the sermon podcast for Sweetwater Christian Church. We are glad that you are interested in joining us as we follow Christ. If you would ever like to support our ministry financially or just learn more about us, head on over to sweetwaterchristian.org. Thanks and God bless. Well, good morning. Sometimes those bumper videos are longer than you expect them to be. And you're just like, and the music is still playing. So, I mean, we're still, the bumper video is still happening. This is still the pregame. There we go. There we go. It's good to be back with y'all. I so, so, so enjoy and love this congregation. So thanks so much for letting me, letting me be a part of what y'all are doing for the past several months. Uh, it's just, it's been a joy. It always is to be with you guys. Um, let me pray for us and then we will, uh, we'll jump into the scriptures this morning. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us and for just the fact that we get to gather together. Holy Spirit, would you uh, help us by softening our hearts and opening our eyes and our ears and our minds um, and illuminating the scriptures to us so that we can see what it is to know Jesus better and we can see what it is to live lives transformed by the gospel. So God, we are so thankful and grateful. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, today for kind of church traditions around the globe and for many, many centuries, today is what we call the fourth Sunday of Advent. And depending on what tradition you're from, depending on what denomination you grew up in, you have like the four candles that some, that some churches light, you know, progressively as we move through these four Sundays. And again, this is all dependent upon what tradition you're growing up in. So most traditions, the last of the four candles that we celebrate today on this fourth Sunday as we get gear up and get towards Christmas is the Sunday we, we think about and kind of meditate on peace. Peace, which sounds like a great thing, right? It sounds like a great word and all of us would be like, yes, Lord, I would love to have a little more peace than I have in this moment. And so what I want to kind of present to us today is, is, is a few things. One is that everyone in this world, and you all know this to be true, everyone in this world wants some peace. Now, here's the deal. The world, the, the kingdoms of this world and the empires of this world are, are offering you peace. They attempt to do this. Now, the ways they attempt to do it uh, ultimately lead to kind of a hollow, uh, not super long-lasting, semi-kind of deteriorates over time piece. But they're offering it. It's out there for you. If you just figure out how to plug into the game right and take the right steps and pull yourself out by your bootstraps and get into this investment and get into this job and then do this 10-year plan and figure things out. And if you climb the ladder, the, the world is offering you peace. It's there. But the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is also, offer, is also offering peace. But let me tell you, friends, and I think most of you, if not all of you, know this to be true, only there in that kingdom is there a lasting, abiding, just like richly flavored peace that can actually do something. So I want to talk about that particular peace today, and I want to talk about it in a few ways. I want to talk about what it looks like, and then I want to talk about what kind of people it produces what do we look like as people of peace? What does it look like for us as Christians who bear the name of Jesus, who's identified as the Prince of Peace in a few different places? How do we actually live that out in the world? So let's start with what does this peace actually look like? So to do that, let's go to the book of Isaiah chapter nine, starting in verse two. Isaiah is full of prophecies about what it's going to look like when God finally sets up his kingdom and establishes the true king and the true Messiah. And this is a little bit of kind of a foretaste of that. And Isaiah says this, 
The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. And all of us are going, where does this turn into Christmas? Because that's not very Christmassy. Verse six, for unto us a child is born, to us collective, to y'all, to all of us, to all y'all, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Of all the things that Isaiah could have prophesied the Messiah would be like, he lists just a few and one of those is that this Messiah, this King, this true and rightful ruler of the world will be a Prince of Peace. Not a prince of war, not a prince uh, of, of just bloodshed and of ruling with an iron fist over, the, over his enemies. No, no, no. A prince of peace. Along with being the wonderful, the counselor, the mighty God and the everlasting father, he will also be a prince of peace. And then verse seven says that of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Of all of the things that Isaiah could have prophesied, of all the things that could have been revealed to him, this kind of is the hinge pin of the whole thing. And that is that this Messiah, this King, this Jesus, this baby that's about to be born in a manger in just a few days is a Prince of Peace. And one of the markers of his government, two of the markers is that one, it's going to be peaceable and the other is that it will last forever. So what does this look like if we're going to actually step into this reality as people who follow this Messiah, who follow this little tiny baby in the manger, what does this look like for our lives? Because you're like, Lorraine, that's really nice things to say. Those are great words. It kind of reminds me of Handel's Messiah, which gives me warm, fuzzy feelings this time of year. It's just beautiful. But what does this look like? Because we can read this all day long and we can go to our productions of Handel's Messiah. Please do that if you're able to. It's beautiful. But... I think we struggle kind of making the connection of saying, okay, I believe that the baby in the manger is this mighty God and everlasting one and that he's the Prince of Peace and that he's gonna set up a government that's gonna have no end, that will be ruled by peace. But I don't see a lot of that right now in my life. I don't see a lot of it when I kind of open my door and kind of step out in the world. There's not a lot of peace. Remember how I told you at the beginning, the world is offering peace. It's kind of throwing it at you in various ways and forms and through different media and through different modes and through different just kind of end games and saying, here it is. But if you remember how the prophet Jeremiah handled this when he was prophesying, Jeremiah is just a great prophet, really, really unsuccessful though, no fault of his own. The people just did not listen to him, which is the bear, the, the, the brunt and just kind of the curse that prophets bear in a lot of ways. But they had, there were people that were coming against Isaiah. These kind of false prophets had risen up around him because Isaiah is looking out at the people and he's saying, there is no peace here. 
There is war, there is famine, there is plague. There's all these things. The kingdom is just destroyed. It's in shambles. It's just rubble. And all these false prophets were rising up around, around Isaiah, around Isaiah, around Jeremiah and kind of going around to people and saying, everything's fine. Everything's fine. It's okay. God would not hurt us. God wouldn't let us go into slavery. God wouldn't let us go. It's fine. And Jeremiah looks at them all and he says this. He says, you say peace, peace, but there is no peace. There is no peace in the systems of the world. So how do we as Christians live in the world, but be people of peace? I think that Colossians tells us a little bit about this. Flip over if if you're on your phone, if in your Bible. Let's read a few verses from Colossians chapter three, starting in verse one. Paul says this, since then, this is kind of, he's predicated all the things he said, and now we get to this. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ. This is a fact to Paul. This is not a, an if maybe, this is not a like, ah, if it all works out. This is not a, if you play your cards right. No, no, Paul says, if you are in Christ, this is a reality for you. So since then you have been raised with Christ. This is what we're supposed to look like now. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all things such as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all in all. Therefore, therefore, as God's chosen people, and here's how Paul identifies you, holy, you are holy and you are dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive each other if any of you has a grievance against against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgives you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds and holds them all together in perfect unity. And then he says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. It seems a little odd, I think, to us sometimes because we like to stop at verse 14, which says, and over all of these things put on love, which holds them and binds them all together in perfect unity. You've probably heard that at weddings. You've heard it. It's, just, it's a beautiful verse. It's a true thing. Paul is identifying love kind of as this glue that's gonna hold the whole enterprise together. But according to Paul here, he says, the heartbeat of the enterprise And the thing that kind of moves it forward, the thing that rules and kind of makes decisions, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. Love is holding and binding it all together. And we're kind of sprinkling on compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and honesty and all these things that we're supposed to be as Christians And Paul says, what you're going to do with that is you're kind of wrapping it up like a Christmas present. The bow that you're going to tie around it is love. It's going to hold it all together. But the agency with which it is delivered into the world is peace. 
It's peace. It's not anger. It's not division. It's not malice. It's not yelling louder than the person next to you. It's peace that is going to reign and rule the enterprise to which we have connected ourselves. It's peace. Since we've put off the old self that Paul tells us multiple times in his writings, we've put off the old self, we've kind of stripped down from all the stuff that just binds us and holds us back and and really kind of just draws us away from Jesus. He says, put on gentleness and humility and all these other things, and then just deliver that into the world by being a peaceable person. Why peace? Because the world is sorely lacking it and it stands out like a red flag. It stands out so much when you are just a peaceable person. When our first reaction is not, oh, I have to defend myself and get even and kind of make sure that you know where I stand on this and we got to like kind of figure, no, no, just peace. I think each of you probably knows a person or two, maybe more, who kind of is this way, who just kind of oozes out Jesus and smells like the kingdom and acts like the gospel. And when you talk to them, your blood pressure comes down a little bit. I'm not really that person. (laughs) I'm working on it. Sometimes I get it right, but most of the time I'm not that person. I'm a little bit more high octane sometimes than I need to be. But I think we all know people like this who just kind of have this peace of Christ reigning and ruling in their lives to such an extent that their blood pressure doesn't really go up when things don't go their way when they're nervous, when they're just full of like, just like, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? But the peace of Christ is ruling in them. Maybe our prayer this week, maybe kind of our prayer leading up to Christmas is, God, would you just kind of pour into me that spirit of peace and let me kind of just breathe that back out into the world? Because this world, even though I told you it's just offering peace, we need to be the people like Jeremiah saying, you guys say there's peace, but there's no peace in that. Let me invite you into what real peace actually looks like and that is only found when you are connected to Jesus. What types, what types of people does this peace produce? I think Colossians speaks to that a little bit. I think we also need to go back to Isaiah to look at some more of it though. So let's flip back to Isaiah chapter 52 real quick. We're kind of bouncing around this morning. Isaiah 52 Verse seven says this, Isaiah again is prophesying and he's telling Zion, he's telling the people of God, hey, things are gonna happen right now that are really bad, but things are then gonna happen that are really good and you just have to remain faithful. And you have to represent God accurately into the world. And on that note, he says this in verse seven, he says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation and who say to Zion, your God reigns. How beautiful are the feet, are the the pieces by which they come to be in the world, how the, the, the agency, their feet by which they move into these places. How beautiful are those things of the people who proclaim peace and good news and salvation. There is a beauty in the message of the gospel that this world cannot touch. And Isaiah says that the people who proclaim it are blessed. They're blessed because they understand that even though this world kind of is just really unsteady and that there's like, there's like, they're like, it's like this tectonic plates that are shifting all the time and you're not exactly sure where you're going to end up. 
Isaiah says, how beautiful are the people who just proclaim peace and the peace of the good news of the gospel. The peace of the good news that God is reigning and that God is present with God's people. Because that is where the peace actually comes from. It's that God is near to us, just like we sang about a few minutes ago. Peace is found when we are near Jesus, when we are near the source of ultimate peace. Now, what does this peace look like when it's actually lived out in our lives? We, we talked about that a little bit with Colossians. We kind of explored, okay, we're, we're going to be ruled by peace and bound together by love, and we're going to put off, you know, immorality and stuff, and we're going to be people who are patient and kind and gentle and loving and all that stuff. What does it look like when it actually gets lived out into the world? Go over to 2 Corinthians with me. Chapter 5, starting in verse 16, it says this. From now on, and this, the, what, what happens before this is, is now that we have known Jesus, now that we have been transformed by the good news that the king is near, verse 16, he says, From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do not any longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has given or committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though we are making as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You're like, Lorian, the word peace wasn't in that passage at all. I know, I know, I picked it. This, I think, is just kind of we're pulling the curtain back a little bit and peeking into what it looks like to be a peaceable people. And I think maybe just to kind of give us a picture in our brains, one of the best pictures is to think about us as being ambassadors for God in this world. The people who bear the kingdom and the smell of heaven everywhere we go. So that when we step into a room, again, remembering that Colossians passage as people who are held together with love, but who are motivated and ruled and kind of animated by peace, that when we step into a situation or into a room or into a conversation as Christ's ambassador, which is a 24-7 job, we don't, it's not like, oh, you have like a four-year term and then you get to roll off for a while. No, no, no. It's a full 24-7 job to be Christ's ambassador. And we are carrying with us as we are just kind of moved through this world with peace that we are Christ's ambassadors, faithfully representing the all-powerful, all-loving creator of the universe back into the world. And this is the message. This is the ministry. This is the job description. We've kind of gotten, you know, when you, when you look at a job description, when you, when you look at kind of like you're, you're trying to find a job and you look at like what are they expecting, this is kind of how it's laid out. It's like, okay, we need people who are, who, are, who are humble and loving and kind and generous and all these things, and we need them to have like a, a hopefully maybe at least an undergrad in peace, hopefully, hopefully like a doctorate in peace with another master's in love. Like that's kind of how this is laid out. Now granted, 
here's the good news, friends. We don't have to achieve that on our own. Like the Holy Spirit and Jesus are gonna help us get there. But this is kind of the job description of a Christian. These are the kind of expectations, the prior work experience that we're trying to kind of build in our lives as we practice and practice and practice. Again, through the grace of God, we're not doing this on our own, but this is what hopefully is being produced in us. So that when we step into the world as Christ's ambassadors, we are held together with love and move forward with peace. Otherwise, we just end up looking like the world and promising people things that are just gonna kind of fall apart in a few years. It's like buying a toy at the dollar store. It's gonna fall apart. But we buy them anyways because they're a lot of fun. But you know, it's gonna fall apart. It's hollow. It doesn't do a whole lot for us. Let me give you one more picture. Let me give you one more kind of word picture and image, again, from the book of Isaiah to kind of hopefully maybe give you something just to think about this week that, that God can just kind of continue like when you're kneading dough to kind of just, just mull over in us. Isaiah chapter 11, verse one says this, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. And here's the word picture Isaiah gives us for what it looks like to have peace. The wolf will live with the lamb and the leopard will, die, will lie down with the goat and the calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like an ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den and the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is not a National Geographic special. This is not like something you see on Animal Planet, right? And we're like, oh, look at the cute little bear cub and he needed a friend at the zoo so they got him a little baby cheetah and now they're friends and it's beautiful. No, 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 this is not that. This, here's what I want you to think about. I want you to picture you're, you're on family vacation, maybe you're camping somewhere, and it gets kind of quiet, and you're like, where are the kids? It's too quiet, it's too quiet. And you kind of open your tent uh, flap, or if you're kind of into glamping, your RV door, and you open that and you kind of gaze out, and what you see is your four, five, and six-year-old surrounded by and playing with poisonous snakes. The panic and the adrenaline that would shoot through you in that moment would probably require you to eventually go to the emergency room just to calm down. Like this is, we're not playing at this point. Or you, or you kind of open up that RV door and the kids are down by the lake and they're just playing with the bears. The big ones, not the baby bears, the big ones. Like those grizzly bears that their claws are like this long, big bears. And just the panic and the adrenaline and the lack of control that you feel in that moment. 
I think this is what Isaiah is trying to get at when he's trying to explain what it ultimately looks like to have peace. Because peace is the opposite of all of those things. Peace is the opposite of all those things. Peace is when there's not, we don't need to have war, when we don't need to have battles, when we don't need to kind of defend ourselves constantly against foes, either real or perceived or imagined. But this abiding peace that can look out at a situation that's just really messed up and that could potentially be really dangerous and harmful, and we are able to look at it and say, I have peace because I know who ultimately is on the throne and because I am reigned and ruled by the one who is identified as the Prince of Peace and because I am held together and bound together with love and I am now animated by peace, I can step into that situation as Christ's ambassador. And the words that I speak will not be the hollow peace that this world offers, but a peace that actually has some substance and a peace that can actually like stand on its own two legs and it has the ability to just seep into the marrow of our bones and change how we look at potentially really uncomfortable situations. I also think that Isaiah is reminding us that <laughs> through this use of kind of these pictures of animals and stuff that God's peace is one that will just get poured the world over. God cares about creation God cares about the world. God cares about the things that trouble us. God cares about everything he's ever made. And Isaiah uses these images of these animals and of these little children to remind us that peace is available and that peace is eventually going to just rush over the entire world. And here's the good news, part of the good news, some of the good news, is that we, friends, get to experience that peace now. Jesus, when he arrives in the scene in the Gospel of Mark, his first words are, hey, um, get ready. The kingdom of God is here and it is now. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus doesn't arrive on the scene and say, I need you to follow me. And then however many millennia from now, then the kingdom of God will come. No, no, no. Jesus says it is here and it is now and it is available to you. It is here and it is now and it is available to you. And it is one that is peaceable. And we are to be people who are ruled by this peace. Just like the angel who announces the birth of Jesus and says, glory to God in the heavens and on earth, peace. And goodwill to those on whom his favor rests. Joy, joy, joy to the world. Why? Because the king of peace has finally stepped foot on the stage. And therefore, we can be people who are ruled by peace and filled with joy and held together with love. Let's pray. Jesus, would you continue to be our very tangible, real Prince of Peace? God, we confess that we are just really, really quick to kind of grasp at straws and feel often like the floor is falling out beneath us and the ship is going down and we just need to grab all the things that we can grab. But God, would you just kind of just breathe back into our lungs peace. Not only so that we can be calmer, but so that when we go back out into the world, we can bear that peace. Because God, the world desperately needs it. God, as we move into just the days before Christmas, would you also fill us with joy? And just with gladness and with excitement that you are coming and that you are near to us. God, we sang earlier that your law is love and your gospel is peace. Would you let that just ring in our ears over the coming days? Amen.